Welcome to The Rachel Quizup Show. In today's episode, I'm speaking with an incredible friend and human, Taylor Marsden. Taylor is a freelance copywriter on a mission to demystify the world of digital copywriting for business owners and newbie copywriters alike. Defining a brand's unique message and voice is at the heart of her copywriting mythology. And in layman's terms, she'll help you sell your stuff and make you sound good too. Today, we're talking about the highs and lows of building a freelance career and how there's no right or wrong way to do it. I know you're going to get so much from this conversation with Taylor, so let's dive in. so excited to talk with you today about creating your own career path because we've been in the DMs talking about this for ages as usual. So I was like, let's make this a public conversation because I know so many people only get a lot out of what you have to share because there's no right way to freelance. Like you, I've worked in many different like industries and roles. And I know that even though my career might, might might not make sense in the traditional kind of sense or lens from people looking on the outside. I know it has literally allowed me to build a career that's really served me and the life I want. So before we dive into all of your tips and advice, I'd love for you to share briefly what your freelance career has looked like to date. Yeah. Well, First of all, so excited to be here and have this chat go public as well. Bringing bring people into our DM conversations, it's about time. Um, my freelance career has kind of been well. It's it's been really like fun and interesting. I've been uh, freelancing for. I like to say like the better part of 10 years. I started it as more of a side hustle when I was in a full-time role. And then throughout that 10-year period, I've freelanced while I've been working full-time places. I've freelanced full-time. And I just kind of jump in and out of that um, every couple of years, depending on like what I'm looking for in my personal life, what I'm looking for from an income standpoint. Uh, what I think I need in terms of skills and also just like the thing that I've the reason why I got into freelancing in the first place really was just to keep work feeling fun because I think one of the things especially as a copywriter is it can get very repetitive and boring when you're working on let's say one brand for an extended period of time it's just like there's not a lot of inspiration there and so when I first started I thought well freelancing will give me this really cool opportunity to work with all kinds of different brands and people and also different types of writing as well. So yeah, it's kind of been like all over the place, but that's for me, that is what freelancing is in a lot of ways. It doesn't like fit into one box. So yeah, it's been great though. Like I love it. (laughs) I love that that's been the journey. I love that you've explained it as in like, it doesn't really fit into a box because I completely agree. And like you, the reason why I started to like freelance on the side while working my nine to five is because I want to find my own voice and I was wanting to write and create and serve more clients and do more interesting things. And I just felt like too contained within the nine to five. Like you can't do this. You can't write like that. That idea doesn't work for us. And I was like, oh, I want to like create and explore. And then when I started to do it, I was like, oh, there are like, 
other benefits. And I started like mixing all of the skill sets and ideas and everything together, which I know we'll talk more about in a minute. And I was like, holy crap, I can literally have my cake and eat it too, as they say. Like I can have the best of like both worlds. So you've recently taken a role back into the nine to five scene from running your business full time. Do you mind sort of sharing what made you decide to do this and perhaps some of the thought process behind this decision? Yeah, there were like a couple of things. I think the biggest one was that I just, I had been running my business at that point for like three to four years full time. And I just got to a point where I felt really, um, burnt out. And I think that was, I think that was like a combination of things. I think one of the big ones was that I had spent a lot of time marketing on Instagram specifically. And I felt like Instagram just started to become a place that I really resented. I didn't, I wasn't having fun there anymore. And, um, it was just becoming too much. It was like, okay, I work one-on-one with clients and I have to be creative for them and create all of this like fun, great stuff. But then I also have to really worry about, marketing my own business too. And it's just like, something has to give. I'm a, I'm one person with one brain and constantly having to come up with stuff just got really hard. So <laughs> it got to a place where I needed to, I needed to step back from my business. And, and I was also really sick too of like, constantly telling people how burnt out I was. And yet I wasn't really doing much to change that. It was like, I was having conversations with you and other writers and other people and talking about how I didn't really feel lit up and I was drained. And it got to the point where I'm looking at work that I was creating for people. I didn't feel like it was good enough anymore. Or I got kind of into this like complacency of just like, just not feeling in love with the work that I was putting out. And that's, is not a good feeling. Like when people are paying you to do stuff and it's not your best work and you know it isn't or, or, or it's just not as good as it could be. Like there's something missing there and you feel it when you look back at it. Um, that was a problem that I was sort of encountering. And then on top of that too, it felt like the kinds of clients that I was attracting and working with, I just, didn't feel excited by anymore. And that's no disrespect to their businesses or to them. Like they were all great people. It just wasn't like something wasn't fitting. So I got to a place with it where I thought, you know what, why am I, why am I forgetting sort of my own rules, which is there are no rules, like get out of this, then go see out, like, see what else is out there. So I slowly started putting myself back out there um, and interviewing for like different opportunities. And then this oppor- this latest opportunity came to me and I thought, yeah, this is a really good chance to start a new little chapter and see where it takes me. And it, it was going to be an opportunity that allowed me to really grow, uh, in a lot of areas that I felt like I wasn't growing before. Thank you so for being so honest about the burnout. Cause I know from my clients community and even my own experience, like that burnout is real. And it doesn't mean that you're not doing business right or well, or like you said that, you know, the clients aren't fabulous, that the work isn't meaningful. It's just sometimes you need to like mix things up because I remember when I was a copywriter for hire like you, and I would get to the end of the week and I couldn't speak. Like my yeah. partner would be like, what do you want for dinner? I'd be like, blah, 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 blah. It's like, what yeah. the hell? It's like, because I'm so tired. I've just been thinking about like words and manipulating language. 
all week, I had like nothing else to give. And I found when I was working a nine to five in the times and the days where there wasn't much work, I was pouring all my creativity into my business. So I was actually able to balance both. But when I was just sort of being a copywriter for hire, just doing that one thing all day, every day, it's like the creativity kind of dried up because I had no chance to like talk to anyone else or go outside or explore. And like you said, you know, there are no rules yet. We find ourselves kind of putting rules on ourselves about how we're meant to run our businesses, how I'm meant to like show up, how I'm meant to like market. So I love that you shared that, you know, you're like, hang on there. I can do something different. I can take a break. Like nothing bad is going to happen. In fact, everything great is going to happen. So why do you feel like many of us kind of put those rules on ourselves. Cause I know I felt this, like, you know, you feel shame and that you failed. If you want to take a part-time role or you're like Googling, like what is out there? You're like, why can I not make this work? Like I suck, but that's not the case at all. Like, why do you think that is that we're, we're doing this to ourselves? I think there's just a message that's been put out there that if you start a business and the business, um, doesn't go to the moon and you don't make tons and tons of money or you decide to step away from that business, there's, there is a failure that is attached to that. And, and I also think too, we've kind of forgotten what, what the world of freelancing is really all about. It's not, um, it doesn't have to be so lots of people freelance on the side. That is a very common thing. And if you decide to take that full time, that's incredible. But if you decide to take it full time and then step back and go back to more of a part time, you know, um, setup, that's like part of it. It's, I, I don't, I guess my answer is I don't know why we think this way. I feel like it's got to be wrapped up in just the way we've looked at traditional work. It's kind of like, okay, I'm in my nine to five. If I don't do very well and I get fired, that's embarrassing. And it's, and I think in some ways people look at leaving their business as like, I fired myself. I wasn't good enough for this. And so, uh, I'm starting over or close the door. It didn't work out you know, hang your head in shame. And it doesn't have to mean any of those things. It's like, no, it was working. It just wasn't making me happy. So I needed to change it. It had nothing to do with, I still had clients. I was still making money. I, I could have easily kept it going, but it just wasn't fulfilling me in these other areas. So I don't, yeah, I don't know why we're, why we're so married to the idea of it being the worst thing ever. But I think it's probably just a pressure from other people. It's a pressure from the internet. I think um, specifically if there's like a big female audience that listen that's listening to this podcast, I think it is inherently like a female thing as well, where uh, it's all tied into our imposter syndrome. Like many of us suffer, anyone can suffer from imposter syndrome, but I know that a lot of female business owners definitely suffer from imposter syndrome. It's almost like, shutting down your business or shutting down a part of your business is like a confirmation. Like, yeah, I'm not actually good enough to do this. And it's all wrapped up in those things. And that's for me, the thing that I want to explain to people is that it, it's not that at all. It doesn't have to mean that like at all. And I don't look at the decision that I made to go back to a nine to five as a failure. I look at it as a great stepping stone to the next thing that I'm going to do. 
That is so true. Cause like dudes like fail all the time at business and they get a business and they sell and it's like, whatever they do, like, like a massive pat on the back, like good on you. Like you did something, you had a crack and then women, it's like, why aren't you making a million dollars? Like, and I suppose you're right. It's all of the mindset stuff, you know, like, but you've had to give up your family to do this. Like it's all the career BS that we have to like juggle because I know for me as well, and maybe you're the same. Um, when I first started my business, I remember Seb, my partner telling me that his friends and like the mostly guys were saying to him like, Oh, how's Rachel's little business going? Like the word little. And I don't think they meant it terribly. They just, it came out naturally. And Seb would always reply, her little business is still making more money than me. And she's on the couch right now, probably watching Grey's Anatomy and it would shut them up. And then they stopped calling it a little business, but straight away, there was all of this perception that I was like, kind of just tinkering, having fun on the side. Like it wasn't a legit thing. And so I think the shame and the fear, like you said, kind of comes around that because then now we're going to have to tell people, oh no, it's not that we suck or that we're bad. It's just that we're choosing something else. Everyone's like, but why, you know, why are you sticking to this career path or why are you changing your mind? It's like, we're meant to just do the one thing forever. It's like, what happened? What happened? Why didn't it, why are you going back? Don't you hate the nine to five though? Isn't that why you started the business? Like, because you hate the nine to five. And I think that's part of it too. It's like, well, I didn't necessarily hate the nine to five. I didn't let, there were lots of things I didn't like about it, but in the same way that there's lots of things I didn't like about the nine to five, there's lots of things I don't like about owning my own thing. Like there is no perfect work solution. Um, so yeah, I, I, (laughs) I've heard that what you just said too, about his friends. It's like, I've heard that from so many different women who have started businesses. And, uh, I'm hopeful that a lot of that is changing, especially now, because I feel like post pandemic and during the pandemic, so many people, especially women started their own stuff. And I think we're going to like, that's only going to help lead us into generations of women and people who feel empowered enough to, to have their own businesses and it not be so weird or not be so different, but we'll see what happens. And also we need to remember, I don't know if this stat is still up to date, but a few years ago, I heard that 50% of people in America will be freelancing by like 2030. And that majority would be women of color and not because of choice, not because people like, I hate nine to five, like follow your passion, but because they actually need to financially. So I also think it's fascinating that we're expected to choose one or the other when the majority of us, we know when we break it down, actually need to have multiple forms of income, multiple career paths, multiple options, not only for the passion and fulfillment, but also for like financial stability, which I think again is like a conversation no one talks about in the business space or in the nine to five. Like we're we're doing all of this mostly through a need of financial means, not because we're not being fulfilled or one is better than the other. So it'd be interesting if over the coming years as more of us do change and switch. And I don't know if you follow some of the people I do, but lots of people on Instagram are like retiring from their business and they openly admit it, like admit, like we've talked about burnout, having to market yourself. They'd taken their business so far and then we're realizing it was no longer serving the reasons why they started. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, that's sad or whatever, but you can tap out at any point. You don't need to become a huge figure or make millions to do that. So, I know that you shared openly too on your Instagram, which is why I asked you to come on the pod to speak about this, because you shared that going back to full-time work has actually helped your freelance career 
multiple times. So would you mind sharing some of the benefits you've experienced by going back to nine to five and then bringing what you've learned perhaps into business or another side hustle or a project? For sure. I think that, um, well, speaking just from the perspective of a copywriter, but this probably applies to a lot of people who work in digital marketing. I think it's really important to work with a team at some point in your career and not just a team that you've assembled, not just people who are working for you, but a team that you can learn from, a team that will challenge your ideas, a team that's going to um, just teach you new things and new ways of looking at stuff, somebody that you're responsible to that isn't just a client. So having stakeholders in an organization where it's like, okay, I have to present this first to my boss before it gets to the client. Um, Those things for a copywriter are super important because one of the things that I just recently talked about on Instagram was there's a lot of people who came into copywriting who've never cop- who've never done this position at an organization before. They started completely as independent copywriters. Because of that, they sort of don't know about one of the main things that I think copywriters need to learn how to do, which is present. You need to be able to explain your work to people. So it's not just it's not enough to just create your copy and send it off in a document. You need to be able to explain to people why you've written things the way you've written them. And you also need to be able to take critique, understand how to action those that feedback, um, understand how to write multiple drafts that aren't just like your own thoughts and processes, but what other people have to say. I mean, these are just like, to me, essentials of the gig. And when you don't have that around you, you get bad, (laughs) in my opinion. The work doesn't, the work doesn't elevate. You stay in the same place because you're just presenting often um, or, or giving work over to clients who've hired you because they don't know much about this thing, right? They're not copywriters by trade you might be one of the first copywriters they've ever worked with. They're not going to pose a lot of questions. They might not even know what the right questions would be. So your writing just doesn't get an opportunity to get to like that highest level. For me, going back to the nine to five has allowed me to improve my writing. It's reminded me how to work with a team that is not my own team. Um, It's also validated a lot of the experience that I've had throughout the years and shown me like, oh shit, I thought that I wasn't there or I didn't think I was good enough for like this, that, the other. And it's proven to me that I'm super capable of doing all of these different things that I didn't even know. And so sometimes it can be even that. It's like a great confidence boost too. Um, So yeah, I I feel like going back to a nine to five is just a really an amazing opportunity to like deepen your skill set in a number of areas and also um, show you how much fun it can be to work with other people. Like when you're the only, (laughs) when you're the only person doing the stuff, it's lonely sometimes, it's hard. So it's a great opportunity to like, yeah, make that feel less lonely. I totally agree. I'm that person 
that like wants to be like blah 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 and like talk ideas and meetings and then be like bye and then you know go to my office and create and I have struggled particularly the last um couple years obviously COVID and being in lockdown has made that even harder because I don't have my normal inspiration and networks and face-to-face but I really have struggled to get that creativity and I really want to bounce ideas off people and do different things and even though I did have a team I now don't have a um, team at all it's just me that I was still the boss like I was still coming with all the ideas and maybe I might like troubleshoot something with them or throw some ideas out there they'll come up with some options but it wasn't the same as working collectively with like people who are working to the same goals who are like different skill sets all coming together it's just not the it's It's not not the same collaboration No. When you're working when you're working with a client it's not really a collaboration. We say that because that's the easiest word to pull, but it really isn't that. It's like you've hired me to do this job, I produce the work, we sit together, I show it to you, you tell me what you like and what you don't like, but ultimately it's not somebody taking me to that next level and making me think about the thing in a different way or putting out a brainstorm, you know, having a brainstorm session with people and, and the best idea wins. None of that happens when you work alone. It just, it's, it's totally different and it can be a great different, but sometimes it gets to a place where you really crave it and you really need it. Um, And like I said before, it just, it makes you better. You know, this is, it's, I'm at a point in my career where like, this isn't the end. <laughs> I don't want to be the best I'm ever going to be right now. Um, there's too much out there that I still want to do, learn, think about. Um, and there's too much great copy out there too that I read where I'm like, shoot, I wouldn't have written that. And why wouldn't I have written that? You know, it's like, I look at too much stuff where I'm like, oh my God, I want to write like that. So yeah, I, I think I think this, this new position has really um, like opened up some of that for me too. Yeah. And I remember when I first started um, freelancing, I was doing more of like a bridging job where I took what I was doing in my nine to five working for not-for-profits. And then they started hiring me like as a consultant, but then I also Mm -hmm. still would do short stints where I'd go back into an NGO and work for like six to 10 weeks. And I love that, especially the first few years, because it kept me like testing my ideas and getting, like you said, better at like explaining why I was doing things um, cause we all get lazy, right. Even nine to five, like, oh, yeah. just do what I said, just use the copy, yeah. damn it. But you have to explain and hearing you say that remind me, I'm working with a, um, incredible, like small business now and she's fabulous. And she's always asked me questions. She's the CEO. She's like, but why can we do that? I don't like this. Can we change that? And like, it's keeping my brain switched on and also using a different part where I'm like, oh, I do this because of X and here's the research that backs it up. Yes. I say this because of my experience or this is my gut feel. I have no evidence to back this up. If you think it's not right, we'll go with your gut feel because you know your business. And I realize how I kind of make decisions. And it also has helped me be a better coach because I also coach clients and co-create with them. And so I always say things like, I know this because of evidence. I know this is a gut feel. And I'm all like, you're so right. I'm always like presenting and explaining. And when you haven't done something where you've had to do that and no one challenges you, you're right. It's a skill set that doesn't develop. And so sometimes I do have to like change my mind or they'll say something. I was like, hang on, that is such a better freaking idea. I am so glad that you mentioned X because I didn't know about that. And yeah, we'll tweak it. And then the copy or the strategy or whatever we're creating is like a hundred times better, but without that pushback or slight collaboration, it would, like you said, never like ever, ever get there. And it's surprising 
I think, I know we've talked about this in our DMs, slight tangent, but how many people are doing roles where they've never had any kind of like nine to five corporate experience? And I can't imagine doing that because even as a coach, I've always taught, I teach at university. I've always had like leadership, teaching roles. I've been doing that my entire career since I was literally like 17, 18. Um, And so again, I can't imagine people being coaches, copywriters, designers, and never have having this experience. I think they're actually missing out. I think so too, because I think the easiest way to learn stuff is just to learn it on the job. Like when you're reading about stuff a lot, that's fine. Um, Or if you take a course, that's great. But when you're on the job, you can learn things so much faster and see it in real time, succeed or fail. Um, And it just, it gets you, it gets you ready. Like it makes you kind of even to your point about staying on brief uh, uh, sometimes, you know, it's like, it's very simple, even when you're the person who's creating the brief and then also executing on the brief, even though you are that person, sometimes you forget too. like, you'll write something and think, oh my God, this is so great. It's so funny or it's witty or it's so whatever. And then if you were really to go back to the brief, it's like, yeah, but it's kind of off brief. It's not really the thing. It's not actually doing what the client asked at all. And the client might not even know to say to you, hey, this actually doesn't really fit with what we talked about before because they're not as as part of the brief process as like a marketing team would be, right? So yeah, it's, again, companies work with marketing teams. They often don't just work with one person that's doing all of the jobs. And when you are the one person doing all of the jobs, things get lost. The skills don't deepen. Um, and you know, the work can suffer. And obviously, you know, we've talked about some of like the benefits, but there are also kind of cons to going back to nine to five or trying to balance (laughs) nine to five and running a business because correct me if I'm wrong, your business is still ticking along. Like you've still got plans. You're still keeping it running. You haven't closed the doors or completely shut down. Like you're still hanging out. So I'd love to know what are some of the cons listeners should be aware of or other things they should consider if they're going to kind of be changing up their career path. Yeah. I think that when, if you're going to Well, first of all, if you're going to, let's say, close the doors on your business completely and go into a full time, be prepared for what that transition feels like. Um, You are not the master of your time anymore. You're on somebody else's schedule. You're also probably going to be interacting with a lot more people than you previously were before, which is which can be a huge transition and has been for me, not huge because I was used to being on zoom calls and talking to people a lot, but you know, I don't get to set all of my meeting times anymore. And, uh, you know, I'm expected to be in this, uh, company slack from this time to this time. And before it's like, I'd get up when I, I'd get up at this time in the morning, let's say like I'd get up at nine and then I'd do like a yoga workout and then I'd get my own stuff going around 10 a.m. or 10.30 and it didn't matter because I wasn't on anyone's clock but my own. That changes big time. So prep yourself for the fact that you now work under someone else's guidelines. Um, However, it's not horrible. Sometimes that structure can be a great thing, but I would consider it to be a little bit of a con. Um, 
you know, also vacation, things like that. You know, before it used to just be very easy. I could say, I'm going to take this time off of my business and I just inform my clients and then I do it. Now I'm obviously in a position where I can't just do that as easily. So those are some cons. I think that if you're somebody who's not going to shut down your business and you're going to try to do both, so maybe have your business be more of your side thing now um, or go and do like a part-time position, understand that you cannot do it all in the same amount of time that you used to. Um, So something that we were talking about like off the pod was just you don't have, let's say, the 40 hours that you had to dedicate completely to your own business anymore. Now maybe you only have 10 or maybe you only have eight or whatever it might be. It's just less time. So you need to sort of consider what types of projects you're planning on doing, um, how you want to, uh, how, how you see that freelance business running in um, conjunction with the, with the, the nine to five. So for me, I'm not working one-on-one with clients anymore because that one-on-one brain power has gone to the nine, nine to five. However, I still am interested in selling digital products. I'm still interested in um, doing some education. And so those things just feel easier for me to take on um, while I'm doing the nine to five. And that was a conscious decision. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do both because it would just, I think for me, feel way too draining. And I think for a lot of people, you want to make those guides for yourself before you, before you make the jump, um, because it's just going to be a lot easier on your brain, but also any, anybody who that would be anyone who's going to be your employer should kind of, they should be a little bit aware of like how you're going to be doing this. Because sometimes when you say to a nine to five employer, like I'm a freelancer or I'm transitioning out of my freelance business to do this job, they get, they get weird about it. Um, And it's because a lot of people try to do it and then they just don't know how to manage their time properly. So really think about how you're going to manage that time. Yeah, I agree. I remember when I was still working at my nine to five and was like freelancing on the side and it's got to that point where I was getting more and more work and it was like, oh, how am I going to like do my nine to five then go home and like write these reports and stuff. And I remember I went down to four days and I still remember I had like, um, annual leave. And I was honest with my employer. I was like, I'm going to use some annual leave, but I'm annual leaving to go complete work. And I was honest about that. And they're like, well, fine, you're entitled to that. That's fine. Um, But I think, you know, different countries have different laws. There's different expectations. Um, And I always made sure when I got to work that I did all of my nine to five priorities first. And then if there was nothing on, I might like write a blog piece in words. Exactly. exactly. Like I always did that. And if anyone came in for questions, I always, and everyone knew that I was doing stuff on the side and I might be tinkering with something in my lunch break or whatever, but they knew that if they needed me, I was always present. And the same for my, like, you know, clients that I was freelancing with, they knew that I was still working nine to five. And I said what my hours were and the jobs and availability, like, no, you can't call me at 10 AM. Like we have to have calls during lunch break. And I would actually go take calls um, during lunch or before work or after work and things like that. So same as you, I was really intentional with like my time, energy and creativity. And even now I have coaching clients. I have kind of corporate clients. I have other freelance projects I'm involved in. Um, you know, I mentor people. And again, I do exactly the same thing. You know, I look at all of my time and hours and where I want to spend things and break it up and make sure each of them 
can actually get the best out of me. And if it gets too much, then I push deadlines or say no to opportunities. So I think even if you're listening to this and you're not freelancing, but you have a small child or you're pregnant or, you know, other things happening in your life, it's still like a good opportunity to sit down and be like, am I actually intentional about how I'm spending my time and the types of goals that I want to achieve? Because yeah, we're talking like, you know, off offline, like you can't expect to suddenly get the same amount of clients necessarily or get on as many podcasts or whatever you want when you've cut your hours in half or your energy in half or your intention in half. Like you can't expect that. And I think, again, that's what leads to the burnout because you're essentially trying to run a, you know, a career and like a freelance business on the side and think that you've got 80 hours. And even if you do for a few weeks, which is wild, you cannot keep up. 80 hours and someone who's tried to do that you just can't and I feel like again you know you're trying to eat your cake and eat it too yeah like be honest with yourself and be gentle with yourself as well it's like you don't need to do everything You, you really don't there's ways you can absolutely have like a freelance a freelance business and be in a full time position it's possible I've done it but you have to be smart about how you're um, managing all of that because it's very easy to lose your life yet again to working. It's like, oh, great. I'm in the nine to five and then the weekends come and it all goes to my business. So now I have no time for my personal life. And the whole reason why I jumped into the nine to five was to try and claw back some of this time. So it can get, it can get chaotic if you're not careful. So just be, just just plan it out before you start making big swings. And a question that I'm asking everyone recently is how they've thrown out the rule book and growing their business their way. So would you mind sharing how taking different freelance opportunities and being open to the type of career that you want to create for yourself has helped you to build your aligned and profitable business and a career in general? I think that um, from the beginning, starting my copywriting career in a full-time position and then opening up the freelance business kind of around the same time or like a year into that, it made me think about work in a completely new and different way. And it gave me a certain level of confidence that I would not have had otherwise because I knew no matter what, that if something happened at that full-time job and I didn't like it and I wanted to leave, there was opportunity that I could. Um, if I got fired, I had this thing that was on the that was going on in the background that was going to keep me um, afloat and I was going to be okay. It just, it gave me a sense of security and a sense of confidence that has helped me throughout the duration of my entire career. It's also opened me up to um, being able to do a lot of different things. So if I'm at a company, I can, I can sort of work as any position on a marketing team because I've done all of it, which is highly valuable. Um, when you do go back out into the job market, it's like you've accumulated so many skills just from running your own thing that now you can ask for more money, um, which is amazing. Or if you were going to have, you know, a nine to five position and the freelance business running at the same time, you can make more money. Like we said before, it, it allows you to really increase your income in a way that just having one or the other maybe doesn't. And I know for me, it definitely has, which is why it's always been the appeal. You know, for me, it's like, 
my goal has never been, I want to be a millionaire. My goal has always been, I want to feel free and I want my finances to line up in such a way that if I want to travel here for a month, I can. If I want to take some time off from working, I can. If something happens and I can't work, it's okay because financially I'm secure enough to be okay. Um, and that sounds like a really privileged place to be. And it is, but it's also something of my own making. Like I've created that intentionally and it's, it's, it's like one of the greatest benefits of doing things this way. Um, so yeah, it's confidence and money, baby. <laughs> yes. Hell yes. I agree. It's exactly the same. For me, like when people say like, why are you doing all of this? And I always say, well, I'm multi-passionate and it just, it makes sense. And yeah, it gives, gives me so many more opportunities and like money and freedom, all of the things that we supposedly claim that we can either have in a nine to five or, you know, the freelance business when often I think we're doing a lot of trade-offs, whether you want to admit it or not. But I feel like I trade off less by being more open to the career path that I have. So if business owners wanted to start exploring different freelance options, different kind of career options, what are three simple things that they can do today to help them get prepared or like in front of opportunities? Well, I think um, first and foremost, before anything, I would say, figure out what your goals are. Like, what do you want out of all of this? Um, and, and once you have a clear picture of what that is, then you can start making your plans on, okay, I'm going to run my business and maybe I take a little part-time position to like help me up level on some skills or flip it. I want to run my business part-time and go into something more full-time because I want more money. Whatever the, whatever the goal is, is completely up to you, but know what that is before you go in. It's going to make it easier for you to hunt down the types of roles you're looking for. It's also just going to make it easier to, um, you know, carve out that time, like we were saying before, for the business. So know your goal. I think the second thing that I would say is um, we live on the internet, so you need to have an online presence somewhere. And, uh, it doesn't mean that you need to be everywhere, but you need to have your portfolio, your website, your, you know, if social media has been a big thing for you, like have these things up to date, easy to find. Um, it's just going to make it, you're going to look way, um, more valuable. It's going to be more of like a competitive, uh, opportunity for you. Like employers are going to be able to find you easily and, uh, it makes it so much easier for you when you want to negotiate other positions, work with different people. You, when you look good, it makes it easier for your career. So get online and make sure your make sure your stuff is up to date. The third thing I'd say is to figure out, um, what sort of services you want to offer. So if you're going to, you know, do your, if you're going to do a nine to five, um, and it's going to be more of a full-time thing, but you want to have your business running in the background, figure out how you're going to do that. Are you going to be offering the same services that you were offering before you went looking for other opportunities? Do you want to scale those back? Should they be completely different? Uh, it's time to start having those kinds of conversations with yourself. Like, so I know, I know when it came to me, the minute I started looking for 
positions and I started thinking about what kinds of stuff I wanted to do in a nine to five, I knew it wasn't going to be possible to write for a company and then also continue writing for clients. So I had to start thinking, okay, what are some other ways that I can serve those people? Um, because I want to keep my business alive. And it was like digital products. That makes sense. I already do that. Now I'll have a little more time in my brain to, to get creatively inspired, to even make those things. So yeah, I think, I think that's a really important, um, conversation to have with yourself too. If you're going to start making some changes I love those. And I wholeheartedly agree that would be three things that I would recommend to everyone too. And like I said before, even if you're not looking at like nine to five, but you've got a baby coming or, you know, you've gone through a divorce or anything like that. Those are questions that I think we should be asking ourselves kind of like all the time to make sure we're making the best decisions. So if you wanted listeners to take away one thing about their freelance career, what would it be? There are no rules. I say this all the time. And I've said this even before I, even before I went back to a nine to five, I used to say this all the time because I feel like the internet wants to convince you that you have to live in some sort of a box. You do not, there are no rules, whatever you want to do, whatever feels good, whatever time it feels good. It's correct. That's the way it should be. So for me, maybe I've just hit this nine to five up. I've been in it for a couple of months. I'm really loving it right now, but Maybe in a year I turn around and don't want to do this anymore and want to do something completely different. I'm allowed to do that. And there's no failure in that. I got exactly what I wanted out of the nine to five thing. It was great. It, it fit the time period that I was looking for. I needed it. It felt good. Now I can move into something else. And I want other people to kind of remember that, that like, don't worry so much about all of the noise that's out there that tells you this is the right way to do it. No, do it this way. No, you have to make this. No, it should look like that. None of that matters. Those are things that worked for those specific people and that's awesome. But you are your own unique being and your business can be its own unique being as well. Yes, love that message. What an amazing way to end this episode. So thank you so much for coming on to the Rachel Quidditch Show and for sharing your story, insights, and wisdom. I know listeners are going to get so much from what you shared here today. Thank you for having me. This was great.